what's up? Welcome to a new episode of Agri Dulce with me, Fianelli. Um, I just want to kick this episode off with Ha llegado el día más esperado by absolutely everybody. We're finally ending 2020. Hooray. Yes, puñeta. Um, <laughs> I am so glad we've made it this far. I think que al principio era mabla. We were sort of tending to the thought of like, this isn't going to last that long. It'll be over soon. We'll be fine. Just two or three days encerrado. It's all cool. And then suddenly it's December and it's like we're still here en la misma mierda <laughs> on the same thing. Y truth be told, like, I don't see the end to it. I mean, there's a vaccine y todo, pero... COVID's just everywhere, so it's going to take a while. I think we've all sort of come to terms with the fact that it'll be a while. It'll take some more time before this is officially over. But I can't stop thinking about how everybody was anticipating 2020 back when, like, December 2019 was happening. Everyone was so thrilled that 2019 was ending. I'm not sure why. I can't go back and remember one thing that... Oh, eso fue. En el 2019 estábamos teniendo los temblores. Everything started in December. Um, so I thought, I'm thinking, peop, I wasn't in Puerto Rico when this was happening. So I'm thinking everyone thought that um, the new year would just, for some reason, uh, it would just like cease to haber uh, temblores y terremotos and whatnot. And of course, of course, of course como puertorriqueño vino saca enero y despedimos el año again because enero was just full of those two y you know it just hasn't stopped ever since you know el punto es que we were anticipating something that maybe just wasn't all that great at all um so be careful what you wish for <laughs> and speaking of like being careful what we wish for i was thinking about ¿verdad? i want to talk today about the word that's been comprobado, used the most on Twitter. Um, the word is pandemic. But before I get there, I kind of want to talk about the word or the term that was being used like before 2020 began. Y era, efectivamente, that, you know, people were thinking back to like, oh, it's been 100 years since the 1920s. It's been 100 years since the Roaring Twenties. So we're basically back to the Roaring Twenties, which was basically people renaissance in the united states like the economy was booming um boomers were being born uh it was a great time for arts and music and history in the united states um people were just sort of thinking that 2020 would be the same thing and sure but i think we overlooked on the fact that the roaring 20s um the spanish flu was still going on uh I think eso era a strain of like H1N1 y it was terrible. It was absolutely freaking terrible. And ironically or surprisingly or yo no sé si este pura coincidencia, it just so happened that we're going through a pandemic in 2020, just 100 years after the Spanish flu. Um, y honestly, I'm not one of, you know, uh, estar demasiado involved or 
believing too many conspiracy theories. Pero, for me, ¿verdad? es una coincidencia. But, en parte, you know, es coincidencia because a hundred years just sounds too exact. It sounds, like, too perfect. Like, too well thought out. Pero, in reality, I just feel this is history repeating itself. Y maybe because we haven't been able to identify points in history where, you know, we can see it happening again. Like, we'll think, oh, a pandemic, that's never going to happen again. And it's that, it, like, in this economy, in this, like, era of technology and science and, it's never going to happen. And it's like, pandemics have been repeating themselves all throughout history for as long as you can go back. Like, it's not changing. So, I feel que en parte, many of these things could have been avoided had we focused more on, you know, historical events and how things were handled historically. Um, and that's where I want to dig a little bit deeper. So I saw this quote on Facebook the other day, and I'm going to pull out my notes because I did some hefty research on this because it didn't sound quite right, but then it sank in. So the quote said... Um, After the pandemic came the renaissance. And at first, I was absolutely shaken to my core. Like, yes, of, of course, of course, yes. But then something just sort of like ached in me. Like, the renaissance was still a terrible time. <laughs> the renaissance was still a very, very terrible time, especially for people who were basically like not in not um nobility not you know uh self-made people just like laborers and servants and uh women had no rights so jabarami it was messed up it was terrible so no the renaissance was like no honey like there's still work to do in the renaissance pero después i thought like there's always going to be work to be done there's always going to be something that'll that will, you know, better the circumstances. There's always, like, tal y como nosotros will always, we will always have imperfections. We will always do things wrong. And there were, there will always, I can't speak today. There will always be things that we can better about ourselves. So I feel like, I feel the same way about um, our politicians, about our government, about the world, the way the world just works. But if everything were to be perfect, then there would be no growth. There would be no discoveries. There would be nothing left to do, basically. Our lives would have absolutely no purpose. We would basically drift off nowhere because, you know, everything would be done. So coming back to the thought of, like, the Renaissance. Yes, there was a lot of work to be done during the Renaissance. Yes, life was very unfair for many people. Yes, Horrible things continued happening, but the Renaissance was, you know, is considered one of the greatest epochs for art, literature, and, you know, architecture, like even there. So science and philosophy and mathematics grew exponentially, like during the Renaissance. And the Renaissance happened right after, you know, the bubonic plague or what many people know as the Black um, the black Death or maybe, like, when we go back before the pandemic, these were considered the Dark Ages. They were 
full of poverty and death and economic crisis. So speaking about the bubonic plague, I'm going to give you guys like, yo les voy a masticar la historia. <laughs> yo les voy a masticar la historia de Europa in like a couple minutes. Um, I, para mí, it's so fascinating. Like I am suddenly obsessed with European history. This is so good. It's so Europe is so rich in history. It's kind of um, not alarming. It's just shocking. It's impressive how well Europeans conserve their history. Like, they have everything just perfectly written out. Like, as I was doing research, I couldn't help but notice, like, wow, lo que estoy leyendo in this article or in this forum or this, like, paper is exactly the same thing that I read somewhere else. E I wish us Puerto Ricans could sort of emulate that, um, but we're terrible at conserving Puerto Rican history. Pero eso es otro tema para otro día. So, okay, I'm going to try to do this as uh, concise as possible, but it's so good. I feel like you guys are going to enjoy this. Okay, so before the Renaissance began, we're talking about, like, the bubonic plague. The bubonic plague happened during 1346 to 1346. 53. That was seven years of a pandemic. Ye, we're barely like making it to one year and it's been horrible. I can't even begin to imagine how horrible that must have, this must have been for, you know, everybody who suffered it. So the Black Death, pa the Black Death pandemic was the deadliest um, pandemic in human history. There were about 75 to 200 million people dead in Eurasia and North Africa. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Europe lost 50% of its population. So it, they lost them, obviously, due to the plague, to the bacteria. Um, so this definitely caused an economic crisis. Um, obviously, trade seized because of the fear of the spread of the pandemic. And because of this, businesses would fail and unemployment rose. So this all sounds extremely familiar and it's inevitable definitely the economic you know business and trade is going to halt and it's going to affect everybody so but once these businesses failed and unemployment rose many people just abandoned you know there comes a huge emotional psychological negative wave with all of this economic crisis and many people just started abandoning their careers and their occupations y se tiraron tipo estilo de vida YOLO, like, I'm gonna die anyway, so I'm just gonna blow all my money. I'm gonna do some hardcore drinking. Like, alcoholism was heavy during the Dark Ages and the bubonic plague. Um, so everybody was just, you know, living life like it's your last day because they just thought they were gonna die. Total, it didn't matter to them. Until, of course, the, the plague ended and and Europe was left with 50% less of their population and the same amount of farmland. E, this is where the things get very interesting because usually the rich stay rich and they're so rich that they're basically intocable. Um, but here things worked out differently. So we've got 50% of the population gone, the same amount of farmland, This means that, uno, there is a huge demand in labor work, um, but 
rents started to plummet because there were no people like there was no demand for the land and here is where like nobility started suffering so uno uh nobility was basically forced to free their servants or sell their land to basically the working class or merchants or labor workers and farmers so what happened here was farmers actually had because there was so much work to be done ahí subieron los wages salaries rose and they were actually able to buy this land and this is literally what we call <laughs> um self-made started from the bottom now we're here e this basically paved the way for social mobility so como estamos viendo laborers became like laborers who bought land became merchants and when you're a merchant definitivamente there's more money seeping in and merchants became members of nobility ahí es donde está como que la clave like they're members of nobility but they're not nobility y here it is where like people start realizing like oh my destiny is no longer fixed by my birth like they thought ante they were very christian people they were very conservative people so the poor if you were born into a poor family you were always meant to be poor you would have to um trabajar en lo mismo that your your parents worked in you were basically it was just like a cycle and you couldn't move from your socioeconomic class but this started changing everything for mostly the italians so This is where the Renaissance begins. So the people who are sort of rising into la, el social class of nobility, they're realizing like we have no political power in Italy because we weren't born into este, la familia. We weren't, we weren't born into the hierarchy. Sabes? So they were trying to achieve and maintain social status political power in a society where strict social hierarchies were grand so the way they did this was through art they they sort of thought the way the best way to make it to the people the, the sort of way to reach out to the community was through funding and through supporting budding and rising artists when all these wages increased and one of these families que son yo creo la familia más importante en Italian history, in the Renaissance history, is the Medici family. Um, they began as wood merchants and bankers, and they were both very profitable, but profitable businesses at the time. So they definitely did start from the bottom, and they owed most of their wealth to the Medici bank. They actually created the biggest bank in Italy. So most of their clients were nobility and popes and people of a very high class and through them they were able to sort of have a certain political power and the power that they had they would use it to influence their clients um that were sitting in the city council e all of this just sort of results in a positive impact in lo que es la clase trabajadora because there's suddenly this desire to be more than what they already are they're they're being driven to sort of step out of their comfort zones so during this time people assumed that the world was fixed and 
God ordained and many people, you know, still even though trying to like move past the stepping stone to being part of the working class and moving on to being a part of nobility, um they still were very Christian. Like aunque ellos estaban straying from maybe the destiny that God put them through, they were still very Christian people. Many of them believed that events were a result of God's will and a lot of them thought that everything that was happening was a sign that the world was about to end um they thought the plague was a punishment of immorality and this is where religious fanaticism sort of spread and many many people performed in extreme like religious practices but this wasn't like the moment where they were like completely blind to it so como perdieron un montón de personas en europa Uh, most of these people were too este, part of the church. These were all monks and they were priests. So the church was basically left with nobody to serve the community in spiritual needs. And they started recruiting este, people desperately just to fill in those positions. And, and they would train them. Pero all in all, these people were not, you know, no estaban capacitados para, para ejercer esta posición ni servirle a las personas espiritualmente because these people were too, like, suffering the trauma of the Black Death. So, because they started recruiting um, and training people who were just not capacitated for this kind of career, um, they were unsuitable individuals. Um, this literally led to, a, like, a drop in standards and many of the priests and monks became corrupt. So from people being very, very, you know, blindly Christian and blindly devoted to the church rather than to God, um, they slowly started to lose the respect and the church began losing its credibility. So at this point, people, uno, have identified that they don't have to fit in the status quo and there shouldn't be a status quo. And two... The church is basically like sort of a fraud. It, it sort of builds up to the point where people no longer accept things because they were sanctioned. So through this secularization that was going on, um, people started emphasizing human values and experiences rather than the status quo, which was the hierarchy, or other than religion. So the urban elite, which are the people who are sort of making their way through, um, they started using reason to understand the world and they questioned authority. And through this process, they adopted humanism, which values critical thinking. And humanism promotes the idea that man is the center of his own universe and that humans should embrace human achievements in education, in literature, in science. It was using this same train of thought that the Medici family thrived they thrived because coming from the working class they understood what it was like to um suffer the unjust consequences of being born into the wrong social class or being forced to stay there because it was god ordained e they saw that there was so much more to ruling than just being born into the right family e heredando el poder like through this power tú tomas decisiones for other people and 
that's I think like the way that they sort of se ganaron la comunidad italiana was through um, them appreciating art and through them appreciating science and new discoveries and actually funding them. So ellos fueron quienes trajeron y no trajeron porque they basically crearon este movimiento that inspired so many Renaissance geniuses like Leonardo da Vinci, who was like the Italian painter who painted the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper. He even incorporated anatomy to recreate body with like extraordinary precision. There was also Desiderius Erasmus, who even translated the New Testament into Greek. And this was a huge milestone in blah in communication because in 1450 when the Gutenberg printing press was created one of the first things that was published one of the first lectures that were published were of humanism and the bible so because people were getting access to education and many more people were learning how to read and write people for the first time could read the bible and, and question it and question the practices that the church was doing and this made you know even the smallest things made such a huge impact. Solamente por esto, um, Luther started questioning the Catholic Church and then the Protestant religion was created. Y ahí verdad, like, this sort of is where the Renaissance period ends. But even though, you know, the Renaissance was a period where all these thinkers and scientists and artists had the space, the opportunity to present discoveries. Like, we have Descartes and Galileo presenting new views in astrology and mathematics. Um, we have Copernicus, who proposed that the sun and not the earth was the center of our solar system. We have Dante writing the Divine Comedy, and Sandro Botticelli drawing the birth of Venus, and Michelangelo painting the creation of Adam. There was just, there was so much going on. And yes, you can say that definitely after the pandemic came the Renaissance. E I think yo quiero cerrar el año with that quote because we have such a long way to go. Even back then, uno dice la gente era inhumana, but still to this day, there's so much we have to learn. Y hay tanto que hay que desaprender and so much to discover and incorporate and investigate and study and speak about y educate ourselves on. 2020 was horrible. It was. Y a pesar de todas las cosas horribles, I know que in between, there are tiny little specks of good things. And, you know, science continues to thrive. Y businesses are, are plummeting. Pocos están saliendo a flote. But science continues to, you know, dar cara. We've, we've discovered, we've done some, something that has never been done before. We've created a vaccine in less than a year desde que se descubrió el virus y it sounds crazy y un montón de personas están en desacuerdo but this is science and it's gonna keep on happening esto se va a volver a repetir eventually maybe a hundred years from now 200 years from now so we really have to work on setting the example on verdad dejar un legado de how we're gonna work through this and hope que el 2021 is full of amazing things. I hope 2021 is completely the opposite. Que nos sirva como un periodo de transformación, de crecimiento y, y de poder 
mano, poner el pie y dar la cara en be brave y afrontar las situaciones que estamos viviendo y las situaciones que arrastramos del 2020 al 2021. Like 2020 has really shown its face and it's really uncovered the mask for many people. Y, y ha demostrado que we are thick-skinned and we can deal with this and so much more. Mira la marcha de Black Lives Matter. It's still la hora que la gente está luchando por esto en las calles, taking on to social media to speak about this, to educate others on this topic. Mira todo lo que hemos hecho through the power of social media. We've been able to witness todo lo que están pasando los países a través del mundo. We saw the fires in Australia and were able to send people to help them. We were able to sign petitions para Black Lives Matter. Small businesses were created and they started thriving through social media. En Puerto Rico, mira todo lo horrible que hemos pasado desde el 2017. And this election, ¿verdad? No, no tuvimos los resultados que queríamos. But we achieved so much more than what was expected. Porque we're not blind anymore. ¿Verdad? Con el tiempo uno empieza a coger capacidad. Uno empieza a adquirir información from external sources because information is so accessible. Y, y nos damos cuenta que, mira, no nos podemos dejar. No nos vamos a dejar coger de lo que no, de lo que no somos. Y, y, y lo hemos demostrado. And if we continue to fight against all these adversities, 2021 is promising. Promising. Am I going to do what everybody did in 2019? Get anticipal 2020? No, because who the heck knows? But, but through information, through education, through learning, through studying our history and sort of trying to connect the dots with what's happening hoy en día, there is so much we can avoid. There is so much we can learn and so much we can achieve, ¿verdad? Obviamente with stepping stones y cornerstones, pero completely achievable. Y yes, que, que la historia nos dé esperanza, que la historia nos sirva de, de herramienta, de inspiración for us to continue doing better. Because como dije al principio, there's always a time and space to do better. So I think this episode is going to stay short. I enjoyed making an episode that was less than half an hour long, um, mostly because el attention span de la gente bien cortico. Pero I've enjoyed this so much, and I hope I can do this. Yo creo que I'm definitely going to start delving into the lives of people who lived in the Renaissance. Y I hope I can do more podcast episodes related to history. Y nada, para cerrar con broche de oro, let's quote it. After the pandemic comes the renaissance. Cheers to that. Déjame coger mi copita de vino. Here we go. May 2021 be a little bit less horrible than 2020. I hope you guys have an excellent end of the year. Y don't get too exposed to Rona. Uh, take care of yourselves. Have a great time. Y I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>